welcome to the Apex Church Podcast. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Be sure to check out our website at www.apexchurch.org.uk and let us know you've been listening. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So good to be with you today. Hope you are well. Well, I don't know about you, but have you enjoyed the series of messages on refuel over these last few weeks? Isn't it wonderful that just that book of Psalms has so much content and uh, so much different variation, the different kind of um, what we would probably call the tapestry of life, the highs, the lows, the good, the bad. But it was just so great just to hear those different voices speaking on those different passages. And I get the privilege today to bring the last installment uh, in this series called Refuel. And this morning I'm going to be speaking from Psalm 1. And I'm just going to be touching on the first three verses. Now before I actually read from the scripture, I want to share the words of a song that have really been a blessing to me just over these last couple of months. And then I'm going to share a little story at the end that kind of just ties in with the song. So here goes. The words go like this. Trouble knocking at my door today, but I'm not going to let it in. Worry tries to steal my joy away, but I'm not going to let it win. Because on my best days, I'm a child of God. On my worst days, I'm a child of God. Oh, every day is a good day, and you're the reason why. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. Got this heartbeat in my chest. Oh, it doesn't matter about the rest. If I've got you, Lord, I'm so blessed. So let me leave those words with you and we're going to go to the Bible right now. I'm going to read from Psalm 1 and it's from the English Standard Version and it goes like this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now I want to just bring out a few points this morning and I want us to think just from the onset about what does it mean to be blessed? Oh, you know, you've probably said it yourself or you've heard somebody else say it and they'll say, oh, I'm so blessed. But what does that actually mean? What are we actually trying to convey when we say that we're blessed? Well, I want to bring out a few things that I believe that God's word is telling us that the blessed person is like and what a blessed person does and what it truly means to be blessed. The first thing is this. A blessed person doesn't follow ungodly advice. Now, you know, if you go to the internet and you do a quick search for something, there's normally a thousand and one different um, responses or, or results will come up telling you or giving you advice on a particular topic. You know, uh, you ask somebody what's their favorite pizza, well everybody's going to say cheese of course, or pineapple. But then you'll hear somebody else say, well no, I don't like pineapple. I, that's all preference, I know, I know, I know. Don't beat me up on that one. But the thing is, everybody will have an opinion and everyone will try and give you some advice. Well, 
the, the Bible verse that we're looking at here said, blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now, we all need good advice from time to time. And that, that word, let me just break this down. That word blessed actually means somebody that has multiple blessings. Okay, it speaks about multiple joys, multiple avenues of contentment. And when it says, is the man, it's not just speaking about, is the man as opposed to the woman. It's actually speaking, or probably is better literally translated, better is the person. So counsel. Counsel can be called advice. We'll probably use the word vice probably more regularly in today's language. But we need to be careful who we're hearing from. This is the point that the scripture is making. We're not supposed to. If we're calling ourselves blessed people, we are not supposed to take counsel from wicked people. Now, I don't know about you, but when I go to Facebook, very, very often, I have got, again, multiple people trying to tell me how, like for me as a personal trainer, how I can be a better personal trainer, how I'm doing it all wrong and how I should be doing it their way. And they're, they're very, very quick to try and sell you a solution. Some of it's good, some of it's not so good. I tend to leave the rubbish or stuff that I'm not sure of and try and gravitate towards that which I feel is in line with good godly counsel and good advice. But the thing is, when it comes to the Bible, we're only going to get good counsel and good advice from God's word. And the Bible warns us, you know, not to take ungodly counsel. See, the wisdom of this world, and there's plenty of it, James actually describes it in his letter as being earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic. Now think about that. We might think, ah, it's just somebody's opinion or it's just somebody's advice. It's harmless. But that's not what the Bible says. James then goes on to say that the wisdom from above that comes from God is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So we need to look to God's wisdom. We need to look to godly counsel over earthly wicked counsel. It then uses that word walk, okay? When you think of walk, what do you think of? It's not just speaking about a stroll down the road, but it's speaking more about lifestyle, the journey of life, the direction of movement. We might even say if we're in a relationship with someone, we are walking with them. I believe that we should ask ourselves often, is the advice or are the relationships that I'm involved in, are they based on godly wisdom or godly relationships, or earthly wisdom, earthly relationships. The Bible says in Proverbs 19 and verse 21 that many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So basically, we can have lots of different ideas and lots of different thoughts going on, but it's God's purpose, and, and applying to a godly person, a blessed person, it's the purpose of God, what he wants that will stand, that will prevail, okay? So, is the wisdom that you and I are walking in, is it moving us towards God, or is it moving us further away? We need to ask ourselves that question. Here's another thing. A blessed person doesn't hang out with ungodly people. 
Now, I know what you're going to say to me. Well, what about Jesus? Didn't he hang about with tax collectors and sinners? Well, well, let's just kind of put this on the table right now. Jesus couldn't be tempted. If he could be tempted, then he wouldn't have been who he was. Okay, yeah, maybe we could say, yes, he could have been tempted by hanging out with bad people. But Jesus was certain of his mission. He was the son of God who had come to lay down his life for the sins of the whole world. He could have been tempted, yes. But the fact is, he knew his mission. He was God made flesh. So that makes him slightly different, actually much different from you and I. But the Bible tells us here that the blessed person doesn't stand in the way of sinners. Now notice how we spoke about walking a moment ago. Standing is a slight deviation from walking. If we're standing still, we're no longer moving. Now, standing speaks of being drawn in, okay, by those giving bad advice. And now we're not only just listening to that advice, but we're beginning to adopt and employ that advice. And then, in practical terms, we're beginning to live it out. We need to realize this morning that if we're to stand in the path of sinners, there's a very, very, very strong likelihood that as we adopt what they believe in, that we very, 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 very easily start to fall into their ways. Here's another thing. A blessed person doesn't mock the truth. That passage in Psalm 1 tells us quite clearly that a blessed person does not sit with the scoffers or the mockers. See, when we've been walking, that's movement, standing, that's us being quite static. When you're sitting, that speaks of being settled and being comfortable. Now, the Bible says quite clearly that in the last days, scoffers will come. In fact, Peter in his second letter, verses 3 and 4 of chapter 4, sorry, chapter 3, says that people will say, what about this promise of Jesus' second coming? Why hasn't it happened yet? And they've, they've also like kind of poured ridicule on it. Because it hasn't happened, does that mean it will ever happen? People are actually scoffing now. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? You watch the news. There's been talk just recently about UFOs and has there been alien visitations and there's been whole discussions in America, in Congress, about this very issue. People's eyes are fixing on things. Oh, you know, is that going to be the end of the world when this happens or when that happens? Or what about artificial intelligence? You know, we're, we're becoming so much more aware now of AI and you'll hear of like ChatGPT, things like that. And is this going to be the future? You know, uh, is AI going to be merged with humans? And that's kind of the stuff of Hollywood movies. But people are actually thinking about this. But at the same time, they're also scoffing because they just think, well, look, things have gone on as they are since the beginning of creation all the way up till today. Will it ever be any different? Well, the Bible says and the Bible does promise that Jesus will return. Just as sure as he came the first time as a baby in a manger, he's going to be coming back for his people. I remember when I first became a Christian, I remember meeting a friend from school and I told him, you know, I had all this enthusiasm, you know, I've just become a Christian, given my life to Jesus and I'm now living for God. First thing he said was, Lee, that won't last. 
You're just wasting your time. Why are you getting involved in that nonsense? Oh, Lee, I thought better of you. And of course, that really sort of, I oh, really kind of give me a real heavy feeling in my heart. But I knew, you know, because even what little I knew of the Bible, I knew that people would mock and people would scoff. Jesus said they would do it. But you know what? I could be encouraged because God's word said that would happen and God will give us the strength to endure those things. So I was later sort of encouraged when I realized I was on the right track. What we need to recognize is, is that sitting is the final slip away from godliness. We should not sit in the seat of those that are scornful and those that mock the truth. The next thing is, a blessed person, and this is the good stuff, a blessed person is a passionate lover of all of God's word. It tells us in verse 2 of Psalm 1, but his delight, speaking of the blessed person, is in the law of the Lord. Now, it's not just speaking about the law, as, as in the five books that were given to Moses, the first five books of the Bible, but it's speaking about the whole of God's word. Okay, from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between. All 66 books. Paul says this in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. God's word has great value. That's why we read it. But let me ask you this morning, are you someone that delights in God's word? Do you get happy? Do you get excited about God's word? Now, we've got to be honest. When you start to read through the Bible, when you certainly begin to read those early books, like the first five that I spoke about, when you read books like Numbers and Deuteronomy, okay, hand in the air, these are difficult books to read. Okay, and they can be quite... How can you say? Yeah, quite, quite heavy going. But the thing is, are we committed to gaining understanding of these books and those passages that we might get to know God better through them? Are we willing to set aside the time for Bible study? You know, what is the purpose of God putting those difficult books in the Bible? Or we might look at the book of Revelation, the very last book of the New Testament, and think, wow, I just can't get my head around that. You know, um, we need to decide, are we going to set aside time and allow God, by his Holy Spirit, to bring revelation on his word? I remember a number of years ago, I worked in a, a chocolate factory, a very well-known chocolate factory, but it wasn't Willy Wonka's, but it's pretty close. There was no Lumpers there either. But I remember a young man there that was a devout Muslim. And it was said of this young man that he could recite huge chunks of the Muslim holy book, the Quran. Now, I used to think to myself, and, and I was just a young Christian at the time, and I thought, what is, the, what is the benefit? Why does this young man commit to reciting and learning huge chunks? And I remember looking this up, and it actually says that when, when a Muslim does this, the belief is that by doing it, they'll receive great rewards. Apparently, for every word that they can recite, there are great rewards, both now, but also in heaven. And I sort of thought about, well, I'm reading God's word. 
I know that it's a good thing to memorize the Bible. What are the benefits of memorizing the Bible? And I thought, well, yeah, there are rewards, okay? I, I get to know the thoughts of God, uh, get to know his word and, and receive the blessings of his word. But you know what? The thing that stands out the most that is basically beyond compare, the Bible tells us that when we commit to keep our mind on his word, we're actually getting to know God better. We're getting to know what he likes, what he dislikes, you know, how much he loves us. We get to know about his plan for us, and we get to know him personally. I believe that is the biggest reward that we can ever get, is to know God personally through his word. And not only that, this passage in First Psalm, it says that the, the blessed person meditates. What does it mean to meditate? Now, if you look at Eastern religion, you sp speak to somebody that practices that, and meditation is basically thinking yourself away to nothing, emptying your mind of everything and becoming nothing. Well, do you know what? Biblical meditation isn't like that. Biblical meditation is thinking about God's word. It's almost like a, a chewing, if you can imagine. Chewing, ruminating on God's word. We take God's word in and we allow God's word to change and transform us from the inside out. We begin to think the thoughts of God. We, become, we start to become more like Jesus, the Bible says. And we begin to know God in a much deeper and more personal way. So there are blessings and rewards of meditating on God's word. It also says that the blessed person, not only do they meditate on God's word, but they do it day and night. See, this speaks of there being a continual thinking about God's word. You know, it's not just about when I've got a spare five minutes and I'm not knocking that. We might be limited for time. But as much as possible, committing to thinking about God's word. Psalm 53 verses 5 and 6 says this. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Think about that. During the night, you could be one minute fast asleep. Next minute, you're wide awake. You can be thinking the very thoughts of God. It might have been a passage of scripture that you read earlier in the day. And it's just coming back to you. God will keep in perfect peace. Those whose mind is stayed on him. Could be another verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Any verse, God can bring it back to our remembrance even when we're in our bed. I remember reading a quote from a very, very well-known preacher of yesteryear called Charles Spurgeon and it says this, God's word is not just cake for special occasions, but bread for daily use. Think about that. God's word is not just something we pull out for special occasions, but it's so practical that it's just like bread for daily consumption. Coming to God's word must be something that we make a priority in our lives. If we call ourselves a child of God, 
we must take the time to read, to pause and to think about what we've read. And you know, this psalm, it goes on to say that not only is there blessings for meditating upon God's word, but a person that meditates on God's word 24-7, 365 is like a tree that thrives. Think about a tree that is thriving and is flourishing. He is like a tree. This is a great simile here. And it says, planted by streams of water. You know, just as we need air to breathe, a tree needs light. A tree needs deep roots to put down into the ground. But it also needs water. And it needs heat as well. Besides streams of water is a very, very good place for a tree to be. It's not, it doesn't just need a little puddle or a little trickle, but it needs to be beside streams of water. See, being beside streams of water speaks of a regular supply. It'll never get dry. And this regular supply ensures that the tree will yield its fruit in its season. So think about that. God is likening us to a tree that is in that position. Peter says in his second letter, chapter 1 and verse 3, that by his divine power, God has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So think about that. God has granted to us all things. Whatever you need for life, whatever you need for godly living, God has granted to us all those things because of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if you're thinking like me, when I was looking into this, it's okay God saying, well, you'll be like a tree, but what kind of tree? Well, the kind of trees that were native to that area of the land when this psalm was being written would have been palm trees or cedar trees. And they have been known to live for thousands of years, putting out big, deep roots into the ground. But we also know that those Near Eastern places, they can be quite dry and arid. So how do they get these streams of water? And this is what I found. There is a process called irrigation. It takes people to work the ground in such a way, creating channels that directs water from one place to where it is needed at the roots of the tree. So think about that. Everything around you can be dry, but God providing channels of blessing, channels or streams of water, times of refreshing, and, and, and that which enables you to thrive just when you need it. That's what God will do for his children. And then finally, a blessed person experiences prosperity in everything they do. Think about that. In everything they do, they prosper. See, not just in some things, but it says in all things. Now, we might think, well, is that some sort of magic formula that whatever I put my hand to, you know, a bit like the Midas touch, everything turns to gold? I don't believe that that is the case. But what it does mean is that because God is at work in us, God is at work through us to will and to do his good pleasure. He delights to work through his people. And when he works through us, Whatever we do will prosper. I love that verse and it's cropped up so many times just recently and you may be familiar with it yourself. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, God works all things together for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. Now, this speaks about prosperity. God working all things together for good for those who love him and those who are called according to his pur- purpose. But do you know what? The thing is, we must realize this isn't a guarantee of financial wealth and having everything we want, or even perfect health. But I believe that this is a reminder that whatever situation you or I find ourselves in, that God is able to bring out something good, something pleasant, something wonderful in the varied seasons of our lives. Are we going through a dry time? God is able to bring refreshment. He's able to work all things together for good. And here's the wonderful things as as well. Even when things don't appear to work out as we thought they might, we're still able to be confidently trusting in God that he knows all things. And the scripture says this in Ephesians 3 and verse 20. He is able to do far more abundantly all that, that we, than we can ask or even think according to his power at work in us. Imagine that. God able, able to do far more exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or even think according not to how good I am as a person or whether I'm having a good day or a bad day he's able to do all things according to his power at work in us I want to finish I want to come back to that song that I mentioned earlier on earlier this week I was leaving my house I got my tablet in hand okay my iPad and I got my glasses on top. As I left my front door, a little thought came to mind. Okay, the way my glasses are sitting on top of the iPad, there's a chance they might fall off. But I just thought, ah, I'll be fine. I'm just leaving the house. I'm going to go to the car. They'll be fine. Well, I'd locked the front door, and I was just leaving, closing the garden gate. Guess what happened? The glasses slipped off the top of the tablet onto the floor, and straight away, I'm like, oh, no. And I'm, I'm calling myself every stupid name you can think of. You know, just a, a kind of a gut reaction to what had happened. And um, I'll be honest with you, there were some really not so good uh, or very colorful internal words being spoken. But, you know, the truth of it was, I was thinking, oh, no, what's happened to my glasses? Well, anyway, I picked them up. And lo and behold, just as I expected, There was a couple of scratches on the front, so picked them up, got in the car, anyway, went about my business. But here's the thing, while I was driving to where I was going, that song that I mentioned started to come back to me. I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed, I've got his heartbeat in my chest. Oh, it doesn't matter about the rest, if I've got you, Lord, I'm blessed. On my good days, I'm a child of God. On my bad days, I'm a child of God. Oh, every day is a good day, and you're the reason why. And I want to encourage you with that this morning, because when I started to think, there was me. I mean, those pieces, those pair of glasses, they could quite easily be replaced. It's not a problem, okay? I can even see through them with the scratches, okay? Go figure. (laughs) But I can work with them. The thing is, what we choose to allow to bother us and to steal our joy You know, we we need to be very, very careful about that, you know. 
But we need to remind ourselves, if we know God in a real and personal way through his son Jesus, we need to realize that we have been blessed, that we are blessed, okay, even when things go wrong. So I wonder, just as I bring this message to a close this morning, will you allow me to pray with you? I want to pray um, a blessing over those that do know Jesus. But if you've been listening to this message this morning, I want to thank you. But if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, if you don't know for sure that you will spend eternity with him, then I want to pray for you as well. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word this morning. I want to thank you for everyone that has listened to this message. Lord, it's not the words of Lee Morrison that make any difference this morning, but it's your word. Thank you, Lord, that it's your word that is able to transform our lives. So, Lord, I want to pray for those that do know you this morning. And I pray, Lord, that they will receive an increased hunger and thirst for the things of God. Father, will you fill them, Lord, with that fresh desire, Lord, for for more of your word, to come and to know you in, in a much deeper and more personal way. And Lord, that they might do what you've asked them to do. Father, the the callings and the plans and the purposes that you have for their life, may they pursue them with a fresh desire and with a fresh passion. And Father, I want to pray for anyone that doesn't know you this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are the God that knows every heart and that you are able to speak into hearts. Lord, and I thank you that you are the one that is able to transform. Lord, when, when you were on the earth, you said, Unless a person is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. So Lord, I just pray that if there is anyone listening to this message that needs to be born again, that needs to invite Jesus into their life and to start living for God and needs to turn from how they've been living to the way that you would want them to live. Father, I pray that that would happen. Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit into their lives, change them, transform them, for your glory. Father, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.